Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 41, C, All Systems Tend Toward Chaos. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 6 of Buffy, Band Candy, and series 3, episode 12 of Doctor Who, The Sound of Drums. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, so Band Candy, really, mm. really fun episode. Yeah. Um, I think you said it was fun, and definitely I laughed my way through it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a lighter um, episode, yeah. although I do think we get some interesting mythological pieces but but I, yeah, nothing and, and not even and sometimes light can mean kind of disposable whereas like yeah you know not, there's no huge mythologic or not as much mythology to this one but it, it doesn't feel light in a kind of disposable way it feels like funny like mm-hmm. in a sure. you know in an upbeat sort of you're right. meant to be like having a rollicking good time kind yeah. of way yeah i guess I guess you're right. Like we don't really get that much mythology, but it's more the character stuff yeah, that yeah. that sort of gets elucidated or, or fleshed out. Um, and and in that way, the episode itself is almost candy like. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's, it's it's sort of light and sweet. Yeah, it is. Um, um, anyway, so I wanted to point out Jane Espenson because um, I think we mentioned that she's doing something for the show. She's like story editing or something but this is her first uh credited you know episode that she's written and i know right. um she's uh someone that we'll see again in the future so you know without telling us too much of what to expect maybe we can just sort of flag her and set her up and everything yeah yeah no and and i think um back in the first episode of the season you you pointed out that she is in the credits so definitely gets that uh, story editor or executive story editor or some kind of editor of story in some way. Um, <laughs> she, uh, so she's, you know, she's, she definitely has input here, but yeah, this is the first one where she's credited as writing the story. Um, and she throughout the rest of the series has a, a pretty good influence on story. Um, I think season three is she writes three episodes and then like, from there start you know in season four or five six and seven um she goes on and and writes like four to five episodes per season mm-hmm. so you know a, a pretty significant chunk um yeah. she also does write a couple episodes of angel um not a lot i think literally a couple um <laughs> and uh and that's cool and she's also uh, written an episode of firefly so so has some breadth uh in the whedon world um i'm not sure what else she's done with whedon but you mentioned that she also Uh, yeah there's a who connection um that she is one of i think a producer and one of the writers of um one of the later i think like season four you know one of these sort of torchwood later seasons that they did um that one there was a that's the one where they kind of did a co-production between bbc and i think it was stars or something some american produce channel so it was like a cross the pond co-production um so you get a little bit of american flavor and influence in with the brits 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she comes in in that. And I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that she is something of a Doctor Who fan herself, which is, I'm sure, one of the reasons she got that job. So um, she's a good one to kind of keep an eye on because she might be one of the kind of cross-pollinating you know, factors between the two shows. Yeah. So yeah. Um, kind of well, a cool little crossover there. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you know, even beyond those two shows, I mean, she's done some really good good stuff. I know she worked with Battlestar Galactica as oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I forgot that. And uh, um, I think she, she, she has some sort of producer credit with the current uh, Once Upon a Time show as well. Right, um, right. The, the, which I don't watch. I did watch like the first season, but, you know, eh, it was all right. Anyway, yeah. so... So that's one I have to admit I've avoided. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't I can't say that I wouldn't like it since I haven't watched it and I have a strict no, you know, judgment if you haven't watched policy, but I can't I can't pretend that I have ever felt inclined to seek it out. So Well, if at take some that for what you will. <laughs> if at some point we feel so inclined, maybe we'll start a podcast on that. But All right. As it is, we're on to band candy. Yes. So, um, yeah, no, but just wanted to to definitely point out that she, Jane Espenson, does have some pretty significant influence and has some pretty good episodes yeah. coming up too. And and, I think this and, is a this is a strong start. You know, this is yeah. maybe a high average for when you think of writers' first episodes. This is a pretty strong one, I think. Um, yeah. Well, definitely. So way to come out of the gate, you know, kind I, of at her height. I think there's a, a, a really good um, I, so it's hard, I would imagine, to to just sort of capture the interplay between the characters, mm-hmm. but then to do that while tweaking their personalities at the same time yeah. or yeah. or some of theirs, you know, especially with Giles and Joyce, like yeah. getting that flavor of who they were you know, when they were 16 or 17 years yeah, old, yeah. you know, Buffy's age, that kind of thing. And, 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 and sort of in, in response to that, giving Buffy, um, you know, a more responsible role than some, yeah. some of, uh, you know, what we've seen so far. So, um, yeah. And if you think too, like, um, maybe some of her sort of interest in British TV and everything, I think she can, do things well like when Giles regresses to his sort of like you know punk Brit slang like she gets that really well like it doesn't sound like an American trying to caricature you know it sounds like actually that sounded like appropriate and uh authentic for him and everything so I think she does have a good she's away with the kind of uh dialogue and you know yeah yeah making sure that the that you know what what Joyce's what kind of slang would Joyce use as a teenager versus what Giles would use versus what Buffy and Willow use you know that those are all different based on what decade you were a kid in or where you grew up and everything and she gets all those different flavors yeah um yeah so yeah no I think it's well done um Um, but anyway so I mean we want to start talking just kind of about the general situation and the metaphor of the week so um you know I I I was trying to think of when exactly I started to catch on that what it is that what was going on and I can't I can't really quite pinpoint it I mean afterwards I kind of thought well the title sure is a (laughs) 
a little bit of a giveaway. But I can't even think that. I think I wasn't even really thinking about that as the yeah. episode was going. I wasn't like I was sitting there going, when are they, you know, it's something in the candy. When are they going to start eating the candy? It was more like as the, it was kind of like once Buffy stormed up to her room and Giles and Joyce have been kind of nibbling on the candy the whole time. And then they start to like, pass it to each other and pull it out of their pockets and stuff that it <laughs> right. slowly dawned on me. It was like, wait a minute. Something right. was going on with the candy. Right. So uh, that's a kind of a clever idea. And it, with the whole kind of metaphor of, or I guess theme of immaturity versus maturity or responsibility and everything, it kind of feels right that it should be candy, which is like a sign of, you know, teenagerhood and regression and immaturity and you know it's mm -hmm. sort of something that tastes good and sweet but has no nutritional value or even has bad nutritional value it's it's totally right. pleasure it's nothing sort of right. you know good for you right. so um well and it's kind I, of a nice idea i i also like the way that you know everyone gets infected so to speak or or cursed or whatever the right term is is you know through you know the responsibility that parents have to buy their children's candy. exactly well because that's what you love is that except, apart from xander none of the children are eating it it's all the parents right. because all their kids have forced them to buy and, this candy. right it's it's <laughs> because you made me buy this and yeah. this actually really hit home um, watching it the second time because literally just this past week um my daughter who is a girl scout started selling girl scout cookies, cookies it's that yeah. time of year yeah. so it's it's one of those things where you know yeah. right where you have yeah. like five boxes of thin mints in the house and yeah. everything well they would never last long enough for all five of them to be there but um yeah precisely yeah. like it's it's that yeah it's that you know taking that parental yeah. uh you, you know obligation and and um and I, I love that scene too with you know where buffy is trying to convince joyce you know what, yeah well well a good mom would you know yeah. well and that's the thing too is like in in theory they're supposed to be kind of selling them you know like to the neighbors or door to door to their family but who do you go you go to your parents and you're like can you just buy it from me like that would really save me a lot right. of trouble right right exactly that's the first place you go um, um and, yeah and of course giles who kind of uses it as leverage to like get her to do stuff and right. you know work out and practice and everything yep yeah so so yeah so that whole theme of responsibility and immature you know versus immaturity and, and that sort of thing definitely gets flipped on its head um mm -hmm. in a good way uh, in a fun way, a <laughs> fun for us to watch way anyway, not so fun. Yeah, yeah, not, no, it definitely is not so fun for Buffy <laughs> when she <No>. sees <laughs> how her, uh, parental figures, uh, yeah. end up acting. Um, but I don't know, I guess before we get into specific characters, any, anything else you just want to sort of say about the situation or the, the, the metaphor, so to speak of the week? I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to it than that. Other than that, like, it's kind of one of those things which is sort of there for Buffy's development. You know, like, it, it, it's sort of a peek for Buffy into why responsibility matters. You know, because 
the natural role is if someone else is acting like an idiot that you suddenly become mature and responsible. So normally Buffy gets to be, you know, the <clears throat> teenager, but suddenly when all the parents, you know, go crazy and as she says, start acting like a bunch of us, um, <laughs> that means that all, you know, Buffy and Willow and, uh, well, Willow's already pretty mature, but you know what I mean. Buffy and everybody else have to sort of be the parent and pick up the slack. And suddenly, you know, um, it's, you know, it's just sort of a little peek into why things like this matter. Um, mm. You know, somebody has to be responsible. Um, and it's kind of, it, it kind of is hard for the parents that it's always them, you know. Sure. That they always have to be sort of reining Buffy in or feeling like she is not taking them seriously or taking their wishes seriously and everything. So right. it's sort of just another step in her development, I think. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, but yes, that it's a tough step for her to take. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's just so many moments with, uh, Joyce in particular. Oh, man. Yeah. Jo Joyce <laughs> is great. I I'll tell you what, I mean, Giles was really, they were both really great. Um, I think we've seen enough versatility from Giles that it didn't surprise me that he was great because we've seen him as kind of ripper, hardcore Giles or like, you know, Giles haunted by his past. Or then there's really sensitive Giles or then mm. there's very stern Giles. Like we've seen all these different facets to his character. Whereas I feel like Joyce has been more... Um, we haven't seen all those different. Right. We've really just seen Joyce, you know. We've been seeing mom. Yeah. We've it's been seeing mom note. the whole time. Yeah. Pretty, and, and not, you know, that's just the nature of parents, right? Like Buffy isn't particularly interested in getting to know <laughs> all these different facets of, so because Buffy doesn't, we don't, you know, like sure. we just don't see her from, the, so all that to say that, I was really impressed by her performance and, and like the, the extent to which it didn't feel forced really caught me off guard. Like it didn't feel like, you know, the kind of cliche of a, of a parent acting like a kid. Like it actually felt like genuinely youthful and, you know, and like she, yeah, she looks older, but she was playing it at genuinely as a teenager. Um, sure, sure. So that I I was really impressed with her, and that kind of made me happy to see that other side of her. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, I think it's very much for that reason that that you're saying, and it, it's showing some depth to who she is, and that's a hard thing for any child to see in their parents. Right? Mm. <laughs> is depth. <laughs> You know, well, and it's, it's funny too that that it's it's depth, but she's in a way becoming more less deep in a way, more kind of shallow teenager. Well, but even seeing yes. that is adding depth to the character, seeing that she has this other side. You know, right? And and seeing that at Buffy's age, she yep. clearly was not. Yeah. Um And and you and of course that brings into question, like is is the reason why she's so afraid of letting Buffy go because she knows the very things or the sure. sorts of things that she would have done, which we get to 
exhibit here what some of those things might have been um, or actually are in this case. Um, my favorite, my favorite Joyce moment is when she pulls out the handcuffs. Uh, oh yeah. From, yeah. That, you know, that the, kind of the, the sheepish, guilty, embarrassed yeah, yeah. Yeah, smirk yeah. on her face. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that that's just hilarious. Um, I, I like, I like when she and Giles are just hanging out in his house and you can tell like he, she she's kind of doing the she's she's really into him but doesn't want to seem too eager so she's kind of playing it off as cool mm -hmm. and he kind of knows that she digs him so he can just totally like relax and take yeah. it. so like yeah. her saying like you know you have cool albums and he's like yeah and, and she i forget what band she says but she's like do you like these guys and right. he like makes a face and she's like oh yeah yeah me neither you know, it, like <laughs> it's just <laughs> It's right, so great. Right, like, right. he just has the confidence to be like, you know, whatever he likes is cool. And she's just going to, like, pretend to like things just to, like, kind of be on his good side and everything. Yeah. Kind of felt really real. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then later when, uh, you know, they're walking the street and she goes, you're so cool. You're just like <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yes. The coolest of her generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway uh yeah hilarious hilarious uh the uh you know it's 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 interesting i guess because like they don't i mean so the other side of that right then is is the giles <laughs> side and i love yeah i love the part where um you know buffy finds ethan rain hiding in the box and pulls him out or whatever and he's like hit him hit him like yeah, you that know, that was my favorite to, like, giles anger, moment. Anger yeah. On and, yeah and and get her to and she's yeah, just so you're, exasperated and you can you're just, you're my slayer go knock his teeth out <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah yeah she's just so exasperated with him like just shut up please yeah. uh but yeah but the the i mean it is it is interesting though to see that because it's it's really like you said it's really to to highlight you know the change that Buffy kind of has to force herself to go through um you know when she realizes this is not the way things are supposed to be and yeah. um and it does become like you know you, you can sort of see her pain which is normally giles's pain and trying to get the others to help with the research or the you know yeah. um you, you know figuring out what's going on and um you know she doesn't have giles's knowledge so like that moment when you know it's a sort of fortuitous moment when giles you know happily remembers the line that tells yeah. them where uh the demon i can't remember the name off the hand but the conus yeah Lerconus, yeah. um is is you know going to be hiding like you know it's i don't know it's just it's just one of those things where like yeah you you come to realize how much they are relying on that knowledge that giles yeah. has yeah. and and really uh, you know it's because he's been so responsible and studious and mm -hmm. um all of these things that Buffy normally isn't, uh, you know, yeah. which 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 just sort of 
highlights that fact anyway. So I, you know, I, I feel like I'm fumbling around a little bit to sort of describe <laughs> that, but um, no. Yeah. And then like in that moment, it almost kind of, it's like he, he it, it's not like he has amnesia, like all of his memories are still in there. It's just that he's not thinking about it. He doesn't, right. he's not putting the effort. In. So he almost kind of surprises himself when he's like, wait a minute. I know this. Right, right. <laughs> he's it's it's him, and we're gonna find him here. Like, but it it's just because that memory is there. It's not you know he's put all that work in, and it just sort of pops up when he needs it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whereas Buffy and the others would have had to like spend the entire night in the library looking that up. Right, and and you do get Willow, who is the responsible in the one library, of the Scoobies, yeah, yeah. right? Doing you know sort of fulfilling that role. Mm -hmm. um, so so yeah giles and and joyce are are kind of fun together um they are a lot of fun i have to say i don't know whether it's gonna like uh, you know whether you could say whether um a giles joyce relationship is ever gonna go anywhere yeah. i did kind of call it i have to say i called that there was some sort of romantic tension and even if it doesn't you know go anywhere in the story it seems that that at least is part of it. There is some sort of attraction, even if they have decided, no, we're not even going to go there, you know, because, yeah, you know, at the, at the end, they kind of are awkward and go the opposite directions. And it seems to be like a mutual, this is way too complicated, you know, um, for Buffy's sake. And probably just out of sheer embarrassment, they're both like heading the opposite direction. So, yeah, um, well, I'm not going to say anything, but but I was yeah. I was going to actually acknowledge that um, back when we watched um, Killed by Death uh, in season mm -hmm. two, uh, the that you did sort of bring that up, and and I was thinking of this episode when you okay. when you said <laughs> yeah. that. So, yeah. um, you know, I think I think you're right to see that there is some hints there of something. Yeah. I think also, you know, beyond the sort of romantic thing is, is the dual parental role that, um, mm -hmm. that, that they provide. And, and there's that hint there um, when they're, you know, when they both sort of are in the house and, you know, confronting Buffy about her. Right. Li it feels lying like to each of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, I know I'm not your father, but you know, I still have to, take care of you or watch over you or something. I don't remember the exact phrase he uses. Mm -hmm. um, and then after she goes storming upstairs and they're sitting on the couch there, um, you know, Joyce is, is talking about how she just wants to protect and, and Giles. Yes. Well, every good parent, you know, just that's all any parent really wants is to protect. And then he says, we both need to be careful, you know, or to watch out or something again, along with, I didn't write down the exact quote, but, you know, again, sort of implying that he is at least in a quasi parental role there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's something it's yes. Watcher, which is, you know, just this sort of made up thing, but it's something more than just someone who watches over. It's, it's again, that, that role of a parent that he seems to be fulfilling there too. So there is, a bond there even without yeah. the romantic um, yeah no you know the, the kind of the 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 hex inspired romantic aspects sure. of this particular yeah, the, well, episode yeah like their kind of attraction might not be just like a physical or romantic thing it might be that kind of they have things in common you know mm -hmm. they actually 
can understand each other um, and are sort of going through the same. So there's just that sense of like a kindred spirit in a way. Um, and they're both, like you said, functionally acting as parents to Buffy. So in a way that kind of makes them partners, you know, even if not well, romantic and- partners, they're, they're partners in their parental guidance of Buffy. Yeah. And you get um, even almost a moment of jealousy from Joyce in the, when she says, uh, you know, Giles seems to be taking up a lot of your time. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like, you know, I'm your mother. <laughs> like, why aren't you spending time with me? Um, yeah. Well, and we've already seen Joyce sort of call into question Giles and when, and, and blamed him when Buffy left in the first place. So yeah, there might true. be that protectiveness too, that part right. of her protection might be protection from Giles, not just protection from the monsters, but he sort of represents that, that responsibility and that lifestyle and everything. Right. right. Um, but she's not really totally comfortable with. No. So, al- although, you know, there is still, you know, she's still doing, she's still, trying to understand at least which is more than yeah yeah what you know she was doing initially so yeah, no she hasn't um, she's totally not she's not in any way it doesn't seem like it's jealousy to the point where she's forbidding buffy of doing this or not understanding of being a that slayer this is important yeah, yeah yeah right um so there's that's progress yeah. i think anyway um so yeah, yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun, sort of the the two of them together. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. Um, they and, they, they and I like job. that that Joyce is calling him Ripper and Ripper, stuff. Yeah. yeah, like, um, yeah. So, I mean, presumably he told her to call right him right. that. Like he that. Was, we don't yeah. we don't ever we don't ever see him telling her that. But I mean, where else would she know that name from? I would think, and I would think that sixteen-year-old Giles has all the girls call him Ripper because, like, that's right? How, that was that that's was what his he thinks name. Is cool, yeah. right? Right, that was his yeah. name back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that was funny. Like, hey, hey, Ripper, you want to watch some TV? Like, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> oh, they're funny. Um, yeah. Well, so and okay, we can't talk about adults regressing without talking about Snyder. <laughs> who likewise yeah. you know tells people just call me Snyder like yeah, yeah. like that's the cool thing right yeah, you know yeah. he, he needs to um, yeah like that's his nod to rebellion is to go by his last name instead yeah, of you know yeah yeah uh no he's funny and he was totally uh you know that over enthusiastic kind of geek who doesn't really realize he's a geek he wants to be one of the cool kids but he doesn't realize he's doesn't have a clue um and just you know totally over caffeinated and like you know has the hots for joyce and all these things he was hilarious right that was a really funny scene when he asks if they're going steady and she just rolls her eyes and walks away right well he kind of scooches over and yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) yeah Like, cause if you're not, yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. The but, total but with that, oblivious. with that, I, I, with that, you know, very studied casualness, like, right. you know, so yeah. are you, are you guys, uh, going steady? Like, as if it's not 
glaringly obvious what he's asking. You know? Right, right. Yeah. No, it's uh, funny. pretty funny. Pretty funny there. And and actually, yeah, like his... Actually, Teenage Snyder is a lot nicer than Grown Up Snyder, I have to say. <laughs> he seemed like yeah. an, an annoying, but, you know, okay person. You know, not kind of a little Nazi bent on domination of anything. You know, like... You kind of wonder what went wrong for Snyder, you know. Well, and you can almost see it's it's almost that over exuberance that, yeah, you know, sort of leads to the okay, yeah. getting you know repeatedly getting shunned by people, you know, because he's too excited about things because he's you know, yeah, awkward and and not necessarily always wanted around <laughs> and yeah, that kind yeah. of thing and and you can kind of see how that mm-hmm. might drive him to become you know once he does get some sort of power and people have to listen to him right right you know, this kind of little napoleon complex and yeah like, yeah exactly like yeah so um yeah no i i thought i thought it was a good job with him and and i think so you mentioned with Giles how, you know, he doesn't lose his memory. It's the same thing with Snyder, right? Because, you know, Buffy asks him, well, you know, like, where did the candy come from? And it's and he remembers, oh, yeah, you know, something with the city council, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And he knows where to take them and everything. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting aspect to this because there are types of stories like this where, you know, they might regress, but they wouldn't they would have the memories as if they were actually 16 years old. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we get that moment where, where Joyce, uh, you know, Buffy's like, do you know who I am? And she's like, of course you're Buffy. Like you're yeah, my daughter. Like she, why would, some why would part of her still knows. And, yeah, yeah. and she's appalled by the fact that she bought her car. She recognizes it as, as her car and that she bought it. And you know, like, yeah. You know, when did I get the geek machine? Ah, you know, and, and, yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> I think that's an interesting aspect because I think that really does highlight the, you know, that, that it really is about responsibility, right? It's not, there's something like in the one sense, they do revert to a bunch of us's, but, mm-hmm. but it's only in the sense of how they act. It's not because they don't have the experiences. And I think that that's, um, right. That's an interesting thing that, that it's, uh, I'm trying to I, I'm trying to figure out how to say it exactly, but like it's it really is about that attitude of whether you choose to be responsible because the moment that they become irresponsible again we talked about Buffy chooses to be responsible right like mm-hmm. it's not like she's been incapable and even you know she brings up a good point that when she was out on her own she did look after herself and she was fine and she had a job and an apartment and um you know all of these things that that allowed her to take care of herself and that was her choice and then she yeah. came back and now she's maybe not quite as responsible or or res- that responsibility as Joyce points out isn't necessarily the same thing as uh, you know, being responsible by coming home on time and, you know, not lying to yeah. your parents about where you are. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so it's it's almost like the candy, you know, or the curse on the candy or whatever sort of takes away that filter of 
choice of being able to to choose to be responsible um mm-hmm. because it's not like even i mean not everybody is always responsible even like super responsible people have their moments of sure. you know yeah. uh letting go or whatever so you know it's not like it's not like you're always one way or the other but it you know i think that's the interesting aspect is 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 that it really you know they still have had all the same experiences. They have all the same memories. They have, you know, they know that their parents or teachers or whatever, and yet they're living as though just none of that matters and they have no real responsibility for anything. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just, I, I like that. Cause I think it's different than other sort of regressive stories where, you know, you might get that memory loss or you might get that, um, you know, lack of experience, uh, sort of, uh, feeling to it. So, yeah, like I'm trying to think of examples, but you definitely, that would be the more cliched thing to do would be to have them go like kind of revert to being teenagers and have them kind of never remember that they were anything other than it. Like that they never, that they had no life past 16 years old or something. Whereas this is, it does have another layer that they still, have all of the like experience of their life it's just they have lost the perspective that that experience has given them (laughs) and they've sort of you know yeah yeah. they're it's more like their their memories haven't changed but their outlook you know has reverted Mm -hmm. back to what it used to be yeah so it's good stuff anyway um so I guess just so, since we're talking about that, I want to point out that so we get the guy who is um, in charge of this all, right? It, we learn is Ethan Rain. Yeah. Uh, and and um, it, two things I want to point out. One is so we, we picked for our title of our episode, All Systems Tend Toward Chaos. And it didn't occur to me until after we started the episode that – that's what Ethan Rain does. That's, right. you know, he's, he's the man who worships chaos. We, yeah. you know, yeah. right from the beginning, that's what we learn about him. So that, um, is even more apt than, even more than, perfect. than yeah. I realized when we were talking about what to call this episode. But the, the other thing is that, um, we, we get these sort of, uh, reversions of Giles specifically, um, although it branches out to more than just Giles this time, uh, whenever Ethan's around. And I just, mm-hmm. I think we talked a little bit about this other times when we saw him um, in the Halloween episode. And then again, in the dark age, uh, you know, we talked about sort of the effect of, you know, an old friend or an old acquaintance or an old, whatever you might want to call him, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, coming around and having that sort of, uh, effect on 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 your character or whatever and this time you know once again ethan shows up giles reverts to ripper you know he he just literally this time sort of falls back into his old habits and stuff and it's not yeah it's it's his whole personality is just at that time um of his life so yeah no and and I mean, the Dark Age definitely was an example we saw of a responsible person kind of falling apart and abandoning that responsibility and sort of, well, you know, and, and now we get sort of 
a literalization of that of of that he literally reverts rather than sort of yeah you know uh, but but Ethan does seem to bring that about his yeah. his presence tends to bring about a sort of regression into right right childhood and you know um, well and I I was just gonna say like I think I think with um. The Dark Age, and not that we have to go back and revisit that episode or anything. I, I would say, like, it was almost, and in a way, I kind of see what you're saying. Like, you know, the responsibility. Giles does try to take responsibility, but the but the mistake he makes there is that he he doesn't let anyone else in on helping sure, him with yeah. it out. So it's yeah, it's he is sort of trying to take care of the responsibility but he's doing the irresponsible thing right. and taking all of the responsibility on himself without asking for help yeah, so yeah you know it's kind of both there but yeah like this one it's just out of out of his control really because it's taken from him yeah. uh unbeknownst to him um and and until we learn oh yes it's ethan yeah of course of course giles, it would be ethan. giles is reverting to ripper uh He's around. Yeah. So um, I, I mentioned yeah, to you. No, actually, that hadn't really occurred to me. I mean, I think I kind of like I must have kind of been thinking of it when like they're in the warehouse together. So you have Ethan calling him Ripper. But it's like Ethan always calls him Ripper. So that didn't even really it's not until you really said that that it went, oh, of course, that that's that's what happens when Ethan comes around. Yeah. So, well, um, and at that point, since in the he episode, is coming back, you know, since you mentioned that you know, we'll see him later. I'll be really interested to see if that aspect comes back with him. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and in, at that point in the episode where by the time we see them together, we've already seen Joyce calling him Ripper. So Right. So it didn't, yeah, it was sort of. Yeah. The trigger isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. That's subtle. It's, it's, it's very subtle. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting thing, but yes, we will see Ethan, um, one more time, I believe, uh, some at some point in the series. So I don't want to give too much away or anything. And, and mm -hmm. it's at a point where you kind of have forgotten about him. So you as, know, as he, is his custom. Yeah. So back he, when you least, yeah, yeah, his one. No, uh, he, I don't think Ethan is ever going to be the big bad. He's always going to be the little skulky chaos right. troublemaker who slips in when you're least expect him and like right. then scuttles away, you know, that's always going to be his thing. Um, which is interesting because that sort of makes him a good uh, acquaintance with Trick, right? Like this is yeah, like right. Trick the, the, is kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, the two of them kind of work well together. I, I know a Beast yeah. who knows a guy, and of course, yeah. the guy he knows is Ethan. Yeah. Um, the the well, maybe to uh, did you have anything more about Ethan? Because now I want to talk about Trick. But <laughs> um, uh, no, no, let's go ahead. Yeah, I just because because I like that he even comes out and says to Buffy right at the end where uh you know where they're they're fighting everything he's like you know normally I would let other people fight for me yeah <laughs> like like oh yes we know this trick we've seen yeah. you pushing people and abandoning you know your previous master or whatever yeah no you know? he's not one to get <laughs> we, into a scrap himself we already know this about you um yeah. and that's Ethan all the way um too so yeah. oh the one other thing i did actually want to say about ethan sorry i'm going back and forth here um it's just i love how easily he gives up the goods <laughs> like yeah. he's just like nope yeah no it's for a demon it's a tribute and hey by the way yeah not my, not my idea i i'm you know i was called his contract job 
Yeah. 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 Don't blame me. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to hold out one punch. Boom. Oh yeah, no, no. It's his demon name is whatever. Blah blah blah. Laconia. <laughs> and yeah, pretty much tells him everything. Spills the beans. Um, he's such a weakling. He's and we've yeah. seen that before. Like, um, <laughs> and I well, just because I remember you pointing out like how easily Giles beats him up. Yeah, no, you know? I can and, understand that now that I've seen him a few more times. And right. He he just really is that much of a wimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so, uh, back to Mister Trick though. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Trick seems to have, even though he doesn't prefer to get into the fight, he seems maybe more capable in a fight than than Ethan is, and um, and maybe more keep capable of keeping out of trouble as well. You know. Ethan seems like he's going to constantly get himself in trouble and then wiggle his way out. Whereas Trick right. is a smoother character, I think. And and, and he uh, he's good at setting buffers around himself. Trick. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he seems to be good at getting other people to do stuff. Whereas Ethan seems to be sort of a loner or a... Or a right, right. I'm not even sure loner is quite the right word. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. He, he's his own guy, right? He's not yeah, a subcontractor yeah. in any way, like Trick is. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, and and Trick is Trick is uh slippery in that way too. That he'll have his you know his sort of safety nets no matter what. Ha- so you know, so I guess he gets you know paid or told by the master or the master i'm skipping ahead the mayor see i'm going to confuse the two of them we have a lot of corrupt politicians this week um he gets told by the mayor to um you know get this make a distraction so that they can you know deliver this tribute all this you know stuff and so he has this sort of you know plan for what happens but then when buffy sort of screws up the plan and you know destroys the demon well hey you know i did you a favor you know he says that's one less person you are beholden to and so basically it's like yeah he'll do what you want if he has to but he's gonna have his other hands in other pots as well and sort of whatever happens He's gonna figure out a way that it benefits him, right, you know. Right. Oh yeah, he's so, a, he's a spin master. Definitely. Yeah, so it's like if Buffy doesn't interrupt us, then I did what you want, and if she does interrupt us, then I still sort of did what you want, and you know, right? It still mayor, works out for you. <laughs> the mayor, it's questionable whether the mayor buys that or not, but um, but I think Trick is, you know, wily in that way that he's always kind of gonna make it so that whatever happens, it's to his advantage. Hmm. Or he's going to try anyway. Right, right. He's he's definitely going to try. Yeah. <laughs> whether um, whether it holds water is a right. separate issue. Right, um, and the mayor kind of alludes to that. You know, right. be careful how many favors you do me. So I'll let this slide, but but you can spin this however you want, but this was a mistake. So don't go be making any more mistakes, you know, and right. I, and I know what happened, you know, um, well, you're not going to pretend that this was all part of the plan. Right. And we don't know exactly what the outcome of this tribute is, right? We, we get the idea that there was something that this demon snake thing was doing for him, but we don't really know what that was 
with any real specificity at this point. So Right. Yeah, I mean the only we get the hints of keeping campaign promises. So there being right. some like the sense I got was you know, like a political campaign that somehow this demon and probably others contributed to his rise to power. And so he's made these pledges to return, you know, return that investment in some way. That's the impression I get. You know, how a demon does that. So I don't know quite what that means. Like, does that mean literally, like, is it really that all the mayor wants to be is a politician and somehow these, these demons and creatures are helping him to achieve that? Or is he on his way to some sort of higher, more supernatural goal? You know, like, I'm not sure whether his end goal is earthly or not, you know? Yeah. Those are good questions and good things to wonder. I like to his sort of, closet full of weird (laughs) crap because like last week again we got the whole like veneer of normalcy you know and cleanliness and sort of unassuming you know but but clearly there's something evil lurking underneath so here you've got like the stuff he's hiding in his closet you know it's like right and a normal office and then this closet just full of you know, like goat skulls, dirty laundry, and, yeah. goat skulls, and yeah, and like voodoo dolls and all weird sorts of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, um, kind of a hint of what might be lurking underneath. Right. Yeah. I mean, clearly there's some nefarious something connection yeah. going on there. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Mister Trick. I mean, he survives. Um, I, I also like, you know, he, he's got a weird sense of loyalty there too, right? He's not going to rat Ethan Rain out. He's like, eh, why burn that bridge? It's like, yeah. you know, it's like that. Ah, it's all, you know, it's all business. Yes. You know, okay. Yeah. This little enterprise didn't work out so well, but, or, you know, whatever, but it, uh, he no, kept up no, his end of the bargain. Yeah. No, no reason to burn that bridge. You know, yeah. paid, I paid him and he went his merry and mm-hmm. now we're, uh, now now we're back so yeah it, definitely uh i like i like trick mm-hmm. he's uh i don't know he, yeah he, no there's something charming about him you know you know even though he's like i mean we haven't really i mean he's the vampire so we've seen him like eat people and stuff but like you can't help but like it is kind of like spike like you can't help but like him a little bit that there's that kind of sure you know charisma factor yeah yeah and we and we right and we've already talked about sort of their similarities like he he seems like akin to spike in the way that like he he kind of likes the way the world works you know he's not looking to bring armageddon about (laughs) necessarily um you know if it happens it happens but you know it's yeah. not necessarily his ultimate goal. Sure. Um, and uh, anyway, so, well, okay. So we talked about trick kind of brought in the mayor there. What else do you want to say about the mayor before we kind of go into the rest of. What? Uh, I don't know that I have anything else. Um, 
I kind of thought it was funny that he makes his business calls while he's at the ritual sacrifice that like cancel yeah. my three o'clock and check into these like exposed pipes. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like now that he's had an opportunity to go down and see yeah. the underground. You're like, huh, oh, this yeah. needs a lot of work. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk to someone on city council about this. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think I have anything else for him unless you do. No, not really. I, I more wanted to see if you had any other insights that you've gleaned but i don't there's not there's not a lot it's just i mean i guess the only thing i would say is that like all right so we brought up yeah he's he's had some demonic help and apparently he's okay with sacrificing babies like you know yeah that takes a certain sort of cold-bloodedness um yeah and i would just draw your attention back to the conversation last week uh, where he talks about the children being the future. Mm. <laughs> and you have to sort of wonder whose future was he talking about there? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, right. You, you, right. Well, you know. when the children are the future, my sacrifice of the children will ensure my future, you know, like, right. It so, might not even mean the children's future. It might mean that sacrificing children is the means to yeah. achieve the future that I want. At least know? at least in this case it seems yeah, to be in the, in, in the immediate future he <laughs> yes is going to need some children. So um, Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, There's no, kind of an irony there. Um but it and and I guess I would just say the sort of like you think of him as a sort of likable guy, an attentive guy, you know, he's always cleaning his hands and thinking about the sewers and how they could run better, but there's a certain ruthlessness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, underneath all of that. Well, um, and I, I don't even know how likable he is. I mean, he's he's got that smarmy, fake politician thing to him. You know, that, you know, you can't ever trust him. Um, sure. No matter how clean he is, how much he smiles, how much he pretends to be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not thinking that he is. So, yeah. um, and maybe that's just because we've, heard we've had this buildup of the mayor you know so maybe i'm jumping to conclusions but i don't know that you want to give the skeezy politician the benefit of the doubt (laughs) sure sure no i you're right like we've gotten plenty of hints about the mayor and his um ruthlessness before so there's it's there yep yeah definitely um but anyway, so on to, well, I guess I don't, okay, so we sort of went around, we talked a little about Buffy in relation to, um, like, Giles and Joyce and stuff. Mm-hmm. Any any other things you wanted to say about Buffy, um, just in general, or, or additional stuff to what we've already sort of talked about? Um, I don't think... So much. Um, did we want to just briefly at least mention that she's still seeing Angel and that that's kind of her, mm. again, the catalyst for all this because it's yeah. the lying. It's the lying and the using each of these other, each of the parents as alibis and sneaking around um, right, that sort right. of kickstarting a lot of this, you know, not the trouble of the candy that has nothing to do with her, but the whole issue of her trustworthiness and her responsibility and everything right um and she kind of blows it off as oh i was at the bronze like any other you know irresponsible teenager but that's not true she 
in a sense, she is secretly taking responsibility. She's secretly helping Angel get better, but she, but, but in a way, which again, it's kind of like Giles, like it's doing a responsible thing irresponsibly, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. It, it's like using, yeah, it, it, it's the means it's, it's poor means to a more complicated end than it, than it would appear. Um, so, right, right. Yeah. The, there's obviously the question, which we've already asked, you know, within the last couple episodes of does she really need to be keeping this a secret? Yeah. She seems to think she does. But then there's the additional question here of does she still really even need to be seeing him anymore? Because he seems, yes, there does seem to still be some weakness, but I mean, hey, he's up and doing Tai Chi, you know, like, he's, sure. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's, it's not like he's, running around half naked why well, I mean, he's still half naked he's just not running around in the woods half naked anymore he's yeah, yeah. you know right in much right. more control of his half nakedness he's functional um, again yeah and and so uh you know they sort of explicitly bring up that question of does she even need to be going to see him anymore mm-hmm. and the angel seems to think it would be a good thing if she didn't yeah. Which is an interesting... It is interesting, yeah. Yeah, because uh, you know place. you know what he means by that. It's not necessarily what Buffy will take that to mean. And, you know, they're, they're not even really... They're kind of talking past each other a bit. And um, Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of get the sense that they both understand. So I, mm-hmm. I guess I would ask you, what what do you think they're talking about there, each of them? Well, I think, you know... I would, my guess would be that Angel kind of has this impression that, you know, Buffy has moved on from him and he's sort of, you know, releasing her from her responsibility that it would be better if you don't need to come here, you know, so that you can stop coming here. And maybe, I don't know whether there's any element, I assume he doesn't want her to stop coming, but maybe he does. I don't, you know. For more, like, personal reasons rather than selfless reasons, I guess. Um, But then I think Buffy will take that as more of a rejection, you know, that... Mm. But but I don't know. I'm... Again, they're not saying these things. They're just sort of thinking them. So until they actually come out and say them, I could be... Yeah. uh, I could be jumping to conclusions there, but... Yeah. um, my, Yeah. My reading of that was that he said one thing and she heard something slightly different. But sure. Sure. Like that, that there was a disappointment there for her that like, you know, that she'll take that as he doesn't want her there when he might be seeing that as more of a, you know, um, you know, something selfless and that he's releasing her from her duty or something. Right. And, and there's the complication of Scott who. Right. Right. Because, and that's what I mean by, him thinking Buffy's moved on because she's told him I'm a senior now I'm looking into college I'm dating somebody you know he has this you know and not he has a not incorrect impression that she has moved on a bit that her life is different now than it used to be so you know so I guess that's where I more see him coming from is that he sees her moving on and is sort of helping that process along and saying it'll be better when, you know, that 
maybe coming here is holding it's conflicting with Buffy's new sort of life. And yeah. so that he's keen to move on from that. So, yeah, I, I guess the only thing that I would add into that is they both know what happened the last time they became too intimate. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a desire perhaps to not have that happen again. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's why, and I think that would fit, too, because his, you know, it more being a sense of, you know, it'll be better. So, like, it, the the sooner you can stop coming, the sooner we can stop sort of, you pretending know, or, pretending or, or wanting or, or, yeah. or mooning over each other or whatever, you know, right, right, that, right. you know, it might be easier for Angel if she stopped coming, um, you know. So, yeah, don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it'll come out eventually, but um, you know who's not stopping, and should be. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I know we're running out of time, but I know you said you're not you're not such a fan of the playing footsie under the table. Uh, well, I'm I'm a fan of it. I'm just well, not a fan of Xander, Xander and, and, doing and the it, Willow yeah. doing it. Yeah, no, I I mean, you know, it's frustrating because we so last week we talked. Obviously, you know, we had the big kiss and then the additional stuff that happens after that. Yeah, um, and we get the guilt feelings and the overreactions and stuff. And it's yeah. it's now it's become a pattern. Right now it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it, it's moved beyond the oops one time or yeah. oops two times. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's to that point where know, it's to that point where now it's, it's almost like too late. Like the, the point at which they could have confessed it is, yeah. is past. And now it's like becoming, like you said, a repeat sort of offense. It's yeah. the forgiveness window is going to close pretty soon, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, like before it was, oh, alone in Willow's bedroom. All right, things happened. They were getting yeah. ready for a dance. Right. One thing led to another. The clothes, yeah. Now yeah. it's, you know, they're in school, like in public. Yeah. yeah, they're at the back of the classroom. Yeah. But they're in public. And at yeah. least one of their significant others is in the same class. And so, yeah. like, what are they thinking? And, yeah. and, yeah, and you do really feel for Cordy, you know. Like, I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop, and that's not going to be pretty. Because mm. um, you get Cordy making, like, you know, we said that last week. Of course this would happen just as she starts to, you know, try to think of whether she might love Xander. Or now she's dating her life. Right. BX right. and... <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. she's actually before Xander, he's become right. literally central to her life. That there was a time before him, and there's a time after him, and mm. it pivots around, you know, her relationship with Xander. So, yeah, I feel like that's setting us up for a difficult, you know, mm. a diff- a rude awakening. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't give anything away, but, no. you know, I think there are some things that are probably not too much. I think we know Joss Whedon well enough to yeah. know that there's probably some sort of head coming 
yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, things. Yeah, are it's building. At some point. It's building. Yeah. Um, but you know, I won't say when or how or where or what exactly. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know, it's it is that you know uh, you're not looking at what you have right in front of you, and they mm-hmm. both clearly have things right in front of them, and oh suddenly you know how many years have they been yeah. friends like since they were four you know <laughs> like yeah. now's yeah. the They're time now, that they yeah. choose yeah. yeah yeah so i'm yeah. not i'm not a huge fan of that but we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes okay um not really a whole lot else with the rest of them cordy and Nas have a couple of good one-liners but nothing yeah uh, nothing too significant so we'll uh just sort of end it there. Any 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 other uh, thoughts here before we move on? Uh, I think that about does it. All righty. Well then. Yeah. On to Doctor Who and the sound of drums and mm. more chaos. Yes. More um, chaos and more corrupt and politicians. <laughs> chaos and decimation. Yes. It's uh, a good word. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, so <laughs> I. I mean, there's really only one place to start with this yeah. conversation, and that's with the master, yeah, um, slash Saxon, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call him. Um, this country has been sick; it needs healing, it needs medicine. <laughs> In fact, I'd go so far as to say, is this country really needs a doctor? Yeah. Um, I sort of ad lib that a little bit, but the that's pretty uh, close, I think. Good job. Yeah, well, I mean, I had the words in front of me; I just didn't say them all. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the, uh, the yeah, that's not ad living. I don't know why I use that term. Anyway, the 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 master, which is really hard for me to not think of the Buffy master. The Buffy master, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get like the Buffy master, the mayor, and this master like totally confused. Just yeah. to warn you. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, right. Yeah. The mayor. Well, at least the mayor has a name wilkins yeah. you know richard wilkins but yeah. this so harry saxon here the master yeah um yeah i mean i don't know i just took like a lot of notes from him but like i'm not even sure where to begin with him because yeah well because okay here, well here's one thing how about the um the nice little payoff on the mr saxon references that we've been getting yes and, yes uh i think we've only really gotten clear references in the, like the second half of the season, but actually, if you go back as far as the first season of Torchwood, and if you go back to um, the first couple episodes of the season, you will see Vote Saxon posters around. Oh, okay. So, so if you ever if you ever rewatch Torchwood or Smith and Jones, look out for the Vote Saxon posters because sure, they're sure. there. <laughs> sure. And I I didn't want to point them out because I thought, well, that's just me saying, you know that's going to be significant. And I wanted to let you sort of discover that on your own, but, um, but I did, maybe I should have, well, there's no reason (laughs) you would have. It's like, it's like nobody notices bad wolf until they actually like talk about it in the show. You know, it's just one of those little, um, yeah, I don't, well, and I don't remember, I don't remember if you pointed out to me, but like, the 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 earlier references to Bad Wolf are more significant, like spray painting the TARDIS, you know, is like a yeah. more noticeable yeah, like thing yeah. than a political poster in the background. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. so, um, but yeah, like since 
definitely since the Lazarus episode, which is yeah, you know, that, I, guess, I think that's when we first hear the name uh, um, Mr. Saxon. Well, and we and we talked specifically about it because you know it's some guy on behalf you know talking to Francine about yeah, and I think I did clarify that um, that he wasn't. I thought he was mm-hmm. that guy was Saxon, but you told me it wasn't. Um, and then yeah, and then we get like the in. Uh, you know, the one with the sun there, uh, where they're falling into the sun. Oh, and, 42. Yeah. Yeah. 42. Yeah. And yeah. And we get the phone call. Home yeah. And, and right. So yeah. Uh, so we get the references. So now, right. We get the payoff. We mm-hmm. find out who Saxon is. Um, mm-hmm. and he's the prime minister and mm-hmm. the master and mm-hmm. he's done some sort of jiggery pokery to, um, <laughs> convince everyone that he's been around a long time and that he's invented all these things and, and has sort of come up through whatever ranks to reach to his position. Um, we get the reference to, uh, Harriet, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, with sort of an, an implicit, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes the doctor complicit in this a little bit because you get him assuming power after Harriet, you know, mm, right. uh, sort of right, knowing you know, that he's the one who said the words yeah, to kind so, of put her so out. So it kind of implies that was you know, did the doctor create a power vacuum that that the master then exploited? You know, kind of, you know, he didn't intend it, but it sort of is a little hint there that the doctor's actions sometimes have far-reaching consequences that that might be disastrous even for himself right so well and um, and fits with like what we saw with um station five is that the yeah name of, yeah of yeah the, that's exactly like, yeah yeah you know like that sort of idea that yes right. he fixed things but then things somebody got worse, worse came anyway in. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um right so yeah right. so sometimes kicking kicking one regime out isn't always the best solution right. because a worst regime will come in and sort of right. The devil, you power. know, yeah. is, is better than the one you don't. Um, but yeah, so, so we get Saxon, we get, um, you know, his, this whole drum beat thing that, that goes throughout, um, mm-hmm. still, still don't really, I mean, we find out that it's in the phones, but, apparently it's something that he's hearing as well like Mm -hmm. separately like we get the idea that yes he's causing it to be pumped into the phones so that people can hear it other than him but that he's but that there's a different source for him yeah yeah Um, and he's always he kind of a couple times asks people don't you hear it you know can you hear it the drums they're coming all that kind of stuff so you are right to understand that the his drumbeat is separate from the one which he's causing, which is the one that he's doing through the phones and everything. Um, right. But that he definitely is sort of, as Yana explained last week, um, he has been haunted, you know, by this never-ending drumbeat. Um, and the, the, the four, the rhythm of four is interesting. I've seen people connect that to, like, the bass line in the theme song, that there's that that's in that the, the opening theme song that it even kind of has a there might be a slightly meta element that is he sort of traumatized by mm. the doctor who theme music you know i don't know quite what to do with that but it has a nice 
I kind of like that. Um, hmm. So yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but that's that's interesting. Um, so his goal apparently is to bring in these um, toclophane, 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 um, and and we don't know what they are, but I I was really intrigued because the doctor seemed to recognize mm-hmm. the word and he, and then later we find out that he, he says they're just, you know, like the boogeyman. They're just some, some, you know, a story that you tell kids to scare them at night. Yeah. They're, they're like a Gallifreyan fairy tale. Um, yeah. Um, so either that's not the case and mm-hmm. these things are real or they took on, you know, the name um, they were something else and, and the master either gave them that name or they accepted it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't, I mean, we don't know a lot about them or why he's bringing them in mm-hmm. other than that. They apparently like to go around killing people. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I do have to say I did laugh um, when <laughs> poor Vivian <laughs> was getting <laughs> brutally killed and her lengthy scream. Yeah. And he kept I don't know. That, was, that always door. struck me as a little awkward. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 it always hit a false note for me. I'm not quite sure. It, a little cartoonish, it, but it, um, I don't know. It struck a chord of black humor in me, I suppose. Um, did it? Okay. Maybe. I th- and I think that's what it's meant to. I don't know why it never quite worked for me, but I do think that's what it's there for is like a little sick bit of black yeah. humor. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway, well, it worked on me. Um, I, okay, I did sort of chuckle <laughs> um, when I, when I saw that. Yeah. When he keeps <laughs> opening the door and sort of biting his hand, like, yeah. Um, well, yeah. And, and you do enjoy the master is one of those villains who is, you, I can't say that I like him, but you do enjoy his black humor and his sort of, you know, uh, you know, exuberant sort of evil and everything. Yeah. Um, well, um, and and the other thing, but, sorry, I was just going to say the other sorry, thing that kind of chuckled at was his. So you, you pointed out last week that it it was sort of subverting some of the old science fiction, mm-hmm. um, you know, like just some of the, some of the tropes uh that a evil villain like this might you might expect um and of course now he he comes and he's you know we meet again doctor or we meet you know finally at last or whatever it is he says and yeah. and and you just i mean you can totally see the bond villain esque sort of yeah, oh we yeah. meet at last mr bond yeah. you know and and <laughs> and you know but now it's well we know they've met before before. And then he immediately says, Oh, I always love saying that, you know, like, like just that, again, that sort of meta element of, um, you know, he's enjoying playing that part. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure we have more to say for the master, but for the Toclophane too, um, Mm -hmm. definitely those are things to be, you know, picking up on is what exactly are they? And the doctor's sort of, you know, incredulity, incredulity about them. And, um, and the fact that, you know, it kind of ends with, um, that's sort of one of the last questions of the episode is even after every, like he's already been turned 
he's been made old, you know, the, the, all these people are being slaughtered, the master's taking over the world, Martha's family are imprisoned, Jack just got killed by the screwdriver, but the doctor still finds time to ask the taco pain, what are they? Like, it's driving right. him nuts. Like, he really needs to know right. what they are. So we know because he's asking that, that that's a really important question. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and, and the master's answer, if I told you, your heart yes. would break. So, um, you know. Yeah, which... We'd, we don't know what that means Opens yet, up but, a lot um, of possibilities, I guess. It but, opens up a but, lot of possibilities. You know, I can't say that. I don't even want to, like, guess at any of them because... I, yeah. I honestly have no clue what that means. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, very, very interesting. I guess we'll learn more about them at some point. Um, but yes. So again, with the master, um, yeah, you mentioned his, his laser screwdriver. Why would anyone have a Sonic? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why would anyone have Sonic? And he, again, he sort of fiddles with it and, has this whole Lazarus thing and we get the connection there that, you know, that there's been, uh, you know, Tish was picked out. So she did indeed right. so have kind of all of explains the how she got attributes. Yeah. <laughs> and what were those attributes? Well, apparently the only attribute necessary was a connection to Martha, which, you yeah. know, then yeah. allowed her to be drawn into, um, yeah, it was kind of hard not to say that at the time because we were calling into question whether she really, you know, earned that job or deserved that job. And of course, no, she doesn't. This is all the manipulation of the master who's trying to get to Martha through yeah. her. Um, and you kind of get that, you know, because you you start to, it, you know, the, the episode begins with her working in his cabinet and you kind of have that moment of, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Like, she loses her job with Lazarus Corporations and goes to work for the master. Are you kidding me? But then it's like, oh, no, this is all right. his plan. That he's making sure that she's in whatever position he wants her to be. And 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 Martha even, you know, does the same thing. Like Trish or Tish calls to leave the message about her new job. And Martha kind of blows her off and cuts off the message. Like, ugh, I've got bigger problems. Mm, right. But really, that's the most important thing is, you know, that it turns out to be an absolutely vital thing yeah. that, you know, she is having all these connections and that he's getting to her through her sister right, and everything. Right. Yeah. And, and solely so that she could wind up to be his prisoner. <laughs> I mean, yes. really in the end, yeah. that's yeah. her only purpose uh, from the master's perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and maybe and maybe it would have been like he could have he could have got closer to her and used her to get information like where Martha was and stuff, but it turns out that he finds her pretty quickly, so he actually doesn't need to Yeah. you know. That actually doesn't really even turn out to be necessary, but um Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that because it does you know, we kind of that would have been just, you know, sort of I like that something that you could write off as just silly turns out to be a plot point and just you you don't realize it until a couple episodes later. You know, that the fact that she has this really posh job that she hasn't really earned and everything. So um Right. Right. Nice little bit of 
foreshadowing and and I like too the way that like just like last week like the way that Russell brought all the different threads of the season together like bringing Jack back and putting the master in and Bo's prophecy and mm. um you know and and the fob watch and the time lords and all these things he's still doing that now like now he's incorporating you know the Lazarus experiment which seemingly is one of the most sort of one-off episodes of the season in a way but actually it becomes really right, important right. because has... he has the hand and he has the technology and right um, yeah he's able to sort of put them together so i like the way all the i think so far of the three of the three seasons we've seen i think russell's becoming more you know confident about weaving together like a season-wide story mm -hmm. arc that rather than having just standalone, he's finding ways to sort of incorporate all of the episodes into the finale somehow, which is kind yeah. of nice. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, trying to think of where to go from here. So I guess, I mean, sort of offsetting the master then of course is the, do the doctor. Um, mm -hmm. And, Oh, oh well, sorry, before we go, um, well, I do want to mention Lucy, um, oh, yes. his wife, because, I mean, speaking of offsetting them, so they do have, like, screwdrivers, and they do have, like, you know, all of these things in common. So, of course, he gets a companion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, Faithful companion. And I, I love, there's that echo um, of Rose there when, when you think she's just kind of the clueless wife and then it turns out she's fully aware of what he's doing and in fact supporting it um and she has her line about i made my choice for better or for worse isn't that right harry and he says my faithful companion and it makes me think of rose um i made my choice a long time ago and i'm never gonna leave you so you get that kind of you know definitive loyalty yeah to you know you, i mean now obviously we can we can contrast them as well, but I think we're meant to see them in parallel. No, I, I mean obviously the use of the word companion is significant and intentional. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I think there's definitely a comparison there. I think the thing that sort of struck me is the master seems to have picked Lucy for her docility, mm -hmm. right? Not sure. not yeah. at all what attracted the doctor to Rose. Yeah. So, um, yes. and I think the other thing there is that, is that my faithful companion has a pejorative sound. If you think of something like mm. a dog, a pet, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, my faithful yeah. companion, you know, it, it's a creature that's lesser than me, but which I've magnanimously taken under, you know, my protection and care. Um, yeah. Which is much different than the sorts of companions that the doctor has. Those are the sorts of things that I yeah. think about anyway. So I, you know, I think. Yeah, no. And I think, no, I think it's that, you know, you do get that sense of there are certain things which go along with a Time Lord. So, you know, like a, a, some sort of sonic or laser, you know, screwdriver technology <laughs> and a companion. Yeah. But then at the same time, it is reversed and inverted and perverted yeah. in a way that it, it he's a he's a mirror image of the doctor but 
an inverted yeah, like a funhouse you know that he's yeah. yeah that he's you know all of those things but you know but corrupted rather than you know wholesome i guess sure um yeah so you do get a very sort of you know she you know lucy is definitely not a companion of well, the rose or martha type you know similar she to is the per- you know perception field that he creates with the tardis keys right it's like just a little bit off like you still can kind of yeah. make out that something's there but it's it's not quite the same you know so yeah um yeah yeah and so anyway yeah. so yeah no i think it, of course there's the great when uh vivian is saying oh well you're not very bright but you know you're harmless <laughs> anyway it's like oh yeah. okay well clearly that why would you say yeah. that and right she has... to her face you know i mean really <laughs> I know. yeah and then you get the line too about he was so good to my father so you get kind of a hint of how it is that she might have you know you know fallen for him in the first mm. place would be you know maybe maybe her father was the kind of person that he made a campaign promise to or something you know that that she's sort of gotten attached as he climbed his way to the top of yeah. the ladder and everything well so. but at the same time you have to wonder how much of that is his hypnotic personality um you know because right. other people seem to sort of remember vague things about him you know he was good to my father's not a very specific uh sort of thing yeah. it's just sort of a feeling like oh yeah he he was good to my father oh yeah he had some really good campaign promises like what does all of yeah. that mean as the doctor sort of presses uh martha in particular you know about like well mm-hmm. well what do you mean when you what did he promise like what what are what was his yeah. platform what you know what are these things that right. are supposed she to be can't really say important yeah. in such a campaign um and yeah, yeah she can't say so you, I mean, we don't know just because we don't, we don't get to ask those yeah. questions of Lucy. So it's, it's possible that she, he did something very specific for her father, or it might just be a vague, hypnotic feeling that he he was mm-hmm. good with my father, and so you know that's great, and now I love him. Um, yeah, we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, I guess. I guess as far as we're talking about the master, then then the other person we have to sort of bring up is the um, the 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 American president Winters, um, <laughs> that yeah. we were kind of laughing about uh, before the show. That you know, I sort of both took umbrage and find it rather hilarious the way that he is portrayed. <laughs> so I don't I don't know where that I leaves know. me. Um, yeah, you know, I I. I <laughs> As an American, you know, I hope that none of our presidents are quite like that. But at the same token, I can't yeah. say at least a few of them weren't. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, um, in all in all good yeah. faith. So anyway, uh, you know, he's funny. A lot of little sort of over the top comments that made me laugh, um, especially mm-hmm. the, you know, where he's telling the Taklafane that, you know, he will be their master and will take mastery over them if, <laughs> if, if that is that's God's, God's will. will. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, um, a, you know, exaggeration of the Brit, how the Brits see Americans as sort of like, you know, all Bible belt, you know, kind of, you know, church going like, 
you know, I don't know. I kind of think that's sometimes how they see us or, sure. or at least it's a, or an element of that. Um, sure. And know, the kind of wholesome, wholesome apple pie. America. And in fairness, there may, um, but then also, but then also kind of arrogant too, that I'll be your master if that's God's right. will. Like kind of almost, there's a divine oh, yeah. the, right the, element to it or something. The exceptionalism. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and in fairness, there may be one or two American programs that have, you know, perhaps portrayed British people in not the best way. So, that, absolutely. Um, no, no. So we can we can both recognize the caricature and also, I think, sort of find some <laughs> truth and humor in it, too. Sort of cringe <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, you cringe because there's an element of it, which there's an element of truth in there. But uh but also, yeah. So <laughs> um, no, but you know, I, I do. It, 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 and and then and then of course, like he's the first one to get just like blasted into. Well, and, and I was like, gonna say, like I, you know, I I can't find myself to be wholly, you know, caring that he's <laughs> he's one of the one. Like you know, I don't, I don't. Not that I no, want anyone no. to die, but like, he's not the most sympathetic character either. <laughs> um, no, no. Anyway, no, the, um, the kind of blustery american who barges in and takes charge although yeah. he does have that one good line that that yes he's going to be taking over because britain elected an ass uh yeah and from that point of view <laughs> you have to give him that because it's not like the master is any paradigm of right. you know good good politicians right. so you know what are you judging it against really <laughs> so anyway i i think we've hammered winters into the ground enough um the the doctor (laughs) uh so so yeah so obviously there is sort of an invitation of comparison between the two of these uh time lords um and the biggest comparison being that the uh, or contrast i guess seems to me anyway to be that we've got the master on the one hand who's doing something really destructive and, um, you know, trying to kill people, um, and actively mm-hmm. killing people, not just trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the doctor who is going at length at absurd to some degree length, uh, to try to save him. And, and he even says, you know, mm. that I'm, I'm not here to kill you. I'm, I'm here to save you or something along those lines. um, yeah. And I, you know, that's the doctor we know and love that you sometimes mm-hmm. wish he would just say to Jack, okay, go ahead, sneak up behind him and break his neck. Go, go snap um, his neck. So, sure. so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I kind of do want the doctor to just like fix it. Yeah. Well, and fix it by taking him out. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. like, I don't even want him to just like, like, I guess if he could fix it peacefully, I'd be okay with that. But yeah. like, <laughs> I kind of do just want him at this well, point to just say, all right, enough's enough. This, you know, yeah. you, you can't be doing this anymore. So, um, of course, he's yeah. by the end of the episode, not really in a position to do that. So right. um, we have to. Yeah, well, I have kind of two things about that that I think, you know, I think I'm thinking now of uh, 
the human nature episodes where we had the doctor, you know, choosing to hide and show kindness mm. rather than, you know, what seemed like the crueler option, which would have been to take out the family. Um, and by the end, Joan, you know, is telling him, um, you know, that she sort of disapproved of that choice and that that was you know, perhaps cowardly rather than anything else. And um, well, and also destructive and, to her and destructive to her. And, and which and is kind of what, whatever, yeah. you know, which is kind of Martha's point here is, you know, Oh great. You made it so that he can only come to planet earth. Now he's destroying my family and my home and my planet. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, and you made it that way. And you know that Martha and Jack would both rather that the doctor just took him out. And got it over with. So I think, again, tying older episodes into the season finale, we're seeing that sort of brought up as a question again. That which, which in these situations is the right choice? Mm. You know, or is there a right choice? You know, um, and in his defense, I think what kind of adds, you know, a slightly more, you know, complicated thing to it than it was with the family for example is this element of the master being the only other time sure. lord you know sure. that i think it's not just it's not just some petty villain that he doesn't you know want to destroy that that there's an a personal and almost kind of in a way selfish element to it of i'm here to save him because like he says to the master we're the only two left. And even if all we do is fight, at least there's two of us and we can go fight somewhere else. And that's great. But you know, he doesn't want to kill him. So I think there's that element mm -hmm. too. Um, which is, I think whether or not that makes him right to not, you know, forcibly stop the master. I'm not sure, but I think adds a degree of, sympathy to his decision you know that you can kind of i can definitely see where that decision yeah. is coming yeah from. no and and you can definitely understand his hesitance while at the same time criticizing it <laughs> um, yeah yeah sure and i yeah and those things aren't mutually yeah, exclusive no, i i think yeah i i it totally makes sense that you know he thought he was the last one and now he finds one other. I mean, the population of time Lords mm -hmm. has literally doubled, you know, overnight yeah. in his <laughs> estimation. So, yeah. you know, you can definitely understand that. Um, yeah. But he's also a psychopath. Yeah. You know, yes. um, and he, yes. and he knows like, it's not like, it's not like this is the first time the two of them are meeting. You know, and he even talks about he was sort of yeah. a friend at one point, and and we know that yeah. he's a classic villain. Um, you know, so presumably mm -hmm. he knows the types of things that the master can do and has done in the past. Sure. Um. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen. So I can't, I don't even feel like there's anything I can criticize to this point, other other than to say yeah, I just I it would be nice if he was able to sort of take him out, <laughs> but maybe yeah. that's not possible. <laughs> and I don't even know how you take out a time Lord because they regenerate. So, I mean, obviously it can be, 
obviously it can point. be done because you know most of them are dead but yeah i don't know how that would happen so i don't i don't know if it's yeah. even possible like in this place and time and technology or lack of technology because we can talk about the tardis in a minute you know like if mm-hmm. it, if the doctor's even really capable of taking him out but yeah who knows Right, right. Like even if Jack went up and snapped his neck, would he just regenerate into yeah, before? Right, you know? and and I, um, I assume he would. I don't and, know. Yeah, is all I'm saying is I don't yeah. know how that works. So, um, interesting. We'll find out more, I guess, later. Um, yeah, yeah. I, so, and the doctor. I mean, he has his sort of normal. Uh, you know, tinkering with different things. Like we mentioned the TARDIS keys mm-hmm. that sort of have the perception shifter on them. Um, yeah. 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 The, the, they're meant to blend in. Well, sort of, sort of, but right, you, you right. get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in theory. Yeah. No, he gets his little gadgety, uh, sort of, you know, gets to do his little right, jiggery right, pokery and everything. And, um, and so, uh, and, and then the other, Thing there is is the you know well we run <laughs> you know run yeah that's yeah well and and i wanted to bring that up too because i think i don't know whether we've talked this, about this before but the kind of idea of running and what that means in doctor who and and actually the doctor's first line in episode in rose right. is run you know he grabs rose's hand and says run and running has sort of a you know what? I was thinking about this earlier. It almost kind of reminds me of um, the significance of running in like Watership Down, um, mm-hmm. which I know you read fairly recently. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books. Um, but running is sort of synonymous mm-hmm. with living. And so when they say he stopped running, to stop running is to die. Right. You know, that, you know, running and, and sort of in Doctor Who, running often takes that significance that like, you know, that you know there's there's it's more than just running it's it's living and traveling and going from place to place and progressing and it has all these deeper connotations and i think especially um when you get i'm i'm sure there's more to say about this but the doctor's little uh monologue about gallifrey and the backstory of you know the master and everything and you know looking into the vortex. Some people would um, be inspired. Some would run away and some would go mad. And when Martha says, which one were you? He said, oh, I'm the one that ran away and I never stopped. So running to him has a sort of deeper meaning, you know, and you kind of get that sense of the master tells them to run and the music swells and they take off and everything. Like it, it has that kind of significant, you know, that kind of significance. Um, you know, I'm not sure what to say about that, especially because they run when they don't have the TARDIS, so they kind of can't run in a way. <laughs> they're kind of well, stuck. Well, yeah, there. <laughs> I mean, they can run. It's just a different form of what they're used to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, and we, I mean, we haven't really talked about running um, since Rose, other than to mention that that's his first line, and um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, that's that's a interesting aspect. 
Yeah, and and I think that'll that'll pop up every so often. There, there'll be sure. that'll come sure. back. Um. <clears throat> um. So, okay, so they run, and obviously they wind up figuring out sort of what's going on, and and go to try to stop the master. And while they're on the ship, mm-hmm. he, uh, he stops and says, "Oh, there's a friendly vibe over this way." And and <laughs> and goes and finds the TARDIS. Um, yeah, and it's been cannibalized. They say and turned into a, a yeah. paradox circuit or paradox machine. A paradox right, right. machine. I think. Um, yeah. So I mean, obviously, time travel. We we all know that paradoxes are bad when it comes to time travel. So mm-hmm. the assumption here is that this is not a good machine. Um, don't right. Right, and it's kind of a angry red color, and actually, did I don't know if you noticed that the cloister bells were ringing. That's uh, the first time we've heard them, I think, since the Christmas invasion. Okay. Um, hmm. when when the, when the Doctor regenerates and the TARDIS is crashing, I think this is the first time. So they are very rarely used, and usually to significant to signify sort of disastrous, hmm. you know consequences you know and and martha says it sounds yeah. sick um so yeah. um yeah right and so we don't really know all what's going on with that at this point just again these sort of bad feelings um that there's something wrong mm-hmm. uh whatever mm-hmm. that something may be um yeah Yes, and we'll and obviously we'll we'll yeah more on no that I next time. I'm sh- what it what exactly I mean you get you get what you need to get which is there's something hugely wrong but what exactly the paradox machine does um, and we will find out more and about that apparently soon. prevents them from leaving in the TARDIS at this point so oh yeah yeah right they can't just right because it's totally you know caged and you know and the doctor says don't even touch it like you don't i don't even really know what would happen if you tried to touch it um so yeah bad bad news all around um bad news all right on to so we've got um talked about the master and the doctor so martha uh Mm -hmm. very so I guess let's see how what what I mean with Martha in this episode pretty much just doesn't understand what's going on and gets sold out by her family. Those are the <laughs> two big things that ha- well and then at the very end she teleports away but that's kind of like setting up the next story I guess. Setting um, up for next week, yeah. So yeah, like bummer that her mom is still trying to yeah. sell her out. Like what kind of yeah. mom does that? I mean, like, I don't know. We've aren't. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, I guess the only defense there is, is that she has these people telling her that the doctor's dangerous. So there's some sense of wanting to catch them to get Martha away from him. But you know why you'd take the word of sinister, men in black over Martha, you know, yeah. not a whole lot of justification there. And her means are pretty 
devious and yeah. you know well that that's the thing cold. that I like I can understand I suppose I could understand to a certain extent like you have these government officials telling you like she's involved in some terrorist plot and whatever and yeah. you know but so Clive doesn't seem to like initially he's like yeah yeah come on in whatever but like he realizes that there's something not right about this and there's something and so else. gives her yeah. the warning yeah. which gets them all thrown into the back of a van including Francine mm-hmm. who seems surprised by this fact and I don't know. I I always yeah. have very little sympathy for people in TV shows who are surprised by betrayals, especially of like people holding yeah. guns. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Are you real? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. what were you expecting? Is this is this really that big of a shock to you? Like, are you really that naive? Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, she is. Uh, and so yeah, the whole family gets brought up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, we already talked a bit about Tish. Uh, the, 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 the family again seems to be Martha's downfall sticking point. You know, we talked Mm -hmm. about right from the beginning of this season of the series, um, with Smith and Jones, how she's always, Mm -hmm. she's the one in the middle, right. Of the family trying to Mm -hmm. figure out all of their crap (laughs) and once again here we are there she's calling all of them trying to figure out what's going on right because they're not right right yeah i didn't really they're not really like talking to each other they're not really like you know they're not even really telling her anything she's the one sort of in the know but and you know when they're not actively lying to her like her mom does and and her father, in fairness, I shouldn't blame it all on just her mom. Her yeah. father does begin by lying to her. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like. Right. But, you know, he's been you get the feeling that he's sort of been pressed right, into this. Right. Whereas Francine's been more actively collaborating right. with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, and now that you say that, I'm I'm thinking the symbolism of with Martha's family and phone calls that like, that's how Smith and Jones starts is her on this phone calls. And then you get 42, you know, that important phone calls back home to mom and where they're talking about two separate conversations sort of flying past each other. And now here again in the climax of the, or not quite the climax, but you know, halfway through the episode, you get Martha, like you say, on the phone calling all the different, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Calling her mom, calling Leo, you know, all these things, you know, and sort of the significance of, you know, these phone calls, which are no substitute for actual communication. Um, You know, that seems to be a thing which follows Martha and her family around. Well, and yeah, and and just again, that, that sort of idea that she's the one making all the calls and, and, and she's the one (laughs) trying to coordinate her family and they're, they're not cooperating (laughs) at all. Um, (laughs) you know, except incidentally, I mean, Leo happens to be, you know, out, out of the way and that's good. But like, as soon as she says, you need to go, you know, make sure you stay out of the way. He's like, well, why? Like, no, I'm, you know, yeah. Like he wants to come back now. It's like, no. 
yeah, yeah. don't tell me yeah. what to do yeah so <laughs> i don't you know i don't know um but she yeah. she so she's teleports out here's the question that i have about that the teleportation why did why okay. did she just like grab uh-huh. onto the doctor as she's leaving because we already know that like touching someone else pulls you out as well mm-hmm. uh why didn't she that's a good <laughs> yeah question. i don't i maybe there's not an answer to that other than that she didn't and that's all we know but um mm-hmm. it just seems strange that like Jack's like telling her teleport out, not hey grab onto my arm and teleport out. <laughs> you know, so we can teleport. Yeah, like out quick, together. let's get out of here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not clear what the purpose is of just having her teleport out by herself. Um, hmm. Although, you know, I mean, that okay. remains to be seen. So maybe there, maybe there's a perfectly valid reason. Maybe I will never know the answer to that. I don't know. <laughs> I think we can certainly bring that up next week and we can see whether we think there's a reason or not. Fair enough. No, I, I wasn't necessarily um, looking for you to answer it. I'm just, that's, that's a question that's in my mind. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think definitely it's not kind of a panic. Oh, she just only had time to get herself out kind of thing. Like it's a very deliberate, you know, Jack gives her, the vortex manipulator and she doesn't leave right right away you know that he's kind of telling her we can't do anything get yourself out and she kind of ignores him um and goes and tries to help the doctor and everything and it and it's not till the end that it seems to be a very deliberate decision to go um and she doesn't take anyone with her so um that would be the only thing i would say is that it's not uh, you know, I think there's evidence there that it's not just like a, you know, she got separated from the pack right. kind of thing. It's that there is a there is a decision to go and to go alone. Yeah. So. I. That I see that I don't know why that uh-huh. happened. Why? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um. Let's see. So Jack. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jack. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, has a couple of moments. Like he, he gets very assertive with Martha and tells her to pull over the car. Like, listen to me right away. You know, we have to do this. So he's sort of he's bringing he's bringing the captain yeah. back into Captain Jack Harkness. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. And. uh yeah, he's good at he's good in a crisis. Yeah, yeah, like I mean this, he's you know. he's definitely sort of thinking ahead and and it's interesting that he's the one who persuades Martha to, you know, what of what needs to be done there versus the doctor who's yeah. sitting right there in the passenger seat. Um right. And and that's fine, you know, whatever. That's cool. Uh but then okay, and so then there's his revelation that he was with Torchwood. And uh, Doctor's mm. not too fond of that revelation. Um, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, the Jack, Jack kind of conveniently forgot to mention that until now. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and so I guess you can, I mean, obviously you can sort of understand given the Doctor's experience with Torchwood, but um, like, why now? That's, you know, that's another question mm. of why, why is 
bringing that up now, you know, something that needs to be done. Um, yeah, I mean, I just took it as they need to they need to get intelligence. So Jack needs to use Torchwood's archives and files, and so he's kind of forced into explaining why do I have access to Torchwood. Um, yeah, you know, that's kind of how I read it. Was like, you know. Uh, like darn it we actually do need to like log in and get some of these files and get some emails and you know try to figure out what's going on so he's sort of forced right well and he gets that like message on his like wrist com link thing or whatever so yeah yeah. right because vivian's email gets sent to you know gets sent to torchwood but i mean i guess even just that is like okay, so you just got an email, like, you have to stop and check it now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. Yeah, it just happens to be exactly the yeah, email we need. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed a little strange, but... Okay, okay. Yeah, well, and I guess there's an element of... He was going to have to mention it eventually. Now's as good a time sure. as any, you know. I mean, and, the, and he and the doctor were sort of a little bit on the fritz last week anyway. So, you know, now they're in a much better place. It's a better time to sort of right. bring it sort up. Of slip you know? that in. And once the doctor, yeah. And once the doctor sort of realizes that Jack had nothing to do with, you know, Torchwood London, which ripped a hole in the universe and sucked Rose into it, then, you know, they're much better. Right. Well, and, and he even says it was after that, after Torchwood was destroyed is when he, you know, he rebuilt it in the doctor's honor um, and all right, of that. So, right. um, so yeah, so he tells the doctor about yeah. Torchwood and whatever. Um, I like the, the little, I guess it's just before that where um, Martha and Jack are kind of looking significantly at each other and like, who's going to be the one to bring up. You know, the story, like, ask the doctor who the master yeah. actually is and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. a very sensitive um, subject. Um, yeah, you get a nice little, I think Jack and Martha have a nice little, you know, shorthand. They seem like they have, you know, and even like him kind of chuckling when she's learning about the the perception filter keys and and when... The doctor says another insensitive thing about people that you fancy that don't even notice you. And, and Jack just says, yeah. too, huh? Well, and that, <laughs> so it's kind of like they're getting to know each right, other. And right, yeah. No, I was going to bring up so. that other line that, that you just did. Yeah, the, the oh, yeah, you too, huh? Um, no, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. good. And, and it's funny because you don't, you don't ever get the same sense from Jack as you do sort of from, like, rose or or martha you know like of but he is a Uh companion and i mean we already know that he's sure uh pansexual you know and 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 yeah so yeah there's apparently an attraction there that uh yeah and and he was plenty flirty with the christopher right right you know so you assume like well and i think part of it's just because we haven't seen that in a while and I mean, he he's yeah yeah he's only, yeah. You he's kind only of forget, back yeah. And 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 there was that tension, like you were saying, like we didn't get any of that last mm-hmm. time. So it, yeah, just because you haven't, it hasn't sort of been around. Whereas we've seen, you know, obviously we've seen Martha for a whole series now. You know, 
almost and, and right. yeah. we know that she's been having these sort of feelings of inadequacy when it comes to the doctor and yeah and i i like too that that line i'm never and i think it's both but you're not quite sure if he means rose or if he means himself like or and i think it is both it's like you know is it like you too huh in the sense of okay you know rose and now you or is it like oh well everybody get in line you know everyone has a crush on the right, doctor i right. guess you know yeah but i like the kind of you you don't at first i wasn't sure when i first saw it quite what he meant by that but yeah upon reflection i think it it is kind of all of them yeah no altogether. i think i think it very easily could be multiple simultaneous explanations mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah good stuff good stuff um what am i what am i missing out on here let's see um well the only thing which we didn't really talk about too much we kind of just glossed over was that whole um peek at gallifrey section mm. i think that's a significant thing and um because it's we get to see gallifrey right. this time rather than just hear about it so you see the red grass that he talked about before so everything has kind of this orange glow um the domed city um the uh, the the big silly collars that they wear is like that's from the classic show that the time lords in the 70s always had these big goofy yeah collars um and the way they kind of have like circles cut out of it they in the new show they based the the kind of the Gallifrey writing system on that. So, you know, that's kind of circular, you know, spirally mm -hmm. sort of writing. It's sort of reminiscent of um of the the way that gotcha. the collars look. Um but I think it's interesting one of the things that interests me about that is that we see it's really the master's backstory rather than the doctor's. And we see the master go for his initiation at eight years old, you know, not the doctor. And so I kind of like this idea that you would think this here would be a reminiscing flashback of the doctor's mm. backstory, but it's kind of not. So the doctor's always sort of unknowable. Like, I kind of like that we don't get to see him as a child. Mm. You know, it's like, that it's sort of off center, you know, it's, it's the backstory, but it's not directly his experience and everything. Um, so there's like, you're kind of, I don't know. I feel like the more cliche thing to do would be to have them going to their initiation together or something right. like to have like two boys at the same age, like, you know, and have them there together. Whereas like, it's kind of interesting that it just focuses yeah. on the master and it's uh and we don't get to see the mm. doctor you know from that i don't know whether that whether i'm reading too much into that or not i kind of like that that they don't ever really go into that much detail about, yeah you know i mean what was honestly i didn't really think too much about it because it comes i mean it's coming right after the questions about who the master is so that's in that moment that's who we're mm -hmm you know who we're thinking yeah, about yeah, but yeah. you're right like it's it does seem yeah. strange that we don't ever get a similar sort of moment um you know with 
the doctor himself. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. I hadn't really considered it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like too that, that idea of, you know, as children, this initiation is to stare into time and space and that, you know, you know, you kind of get the sense that all of the genius and achievements of the Time Lords comes out of that, but a lot of the madness and the arrogance and everything comes out mm-hmm. of it, too, that, you know, all these children look into this, you know, look into eternity, I guess, and they either are inspired or they run away or they go mad. Um, so those are your options. So it kind of, like, accounts for a lot of the grandiosity sure. of the Time Lords, I think. It's just kind of an interesting idea, kind yeah. of a mythic idea. Yeah. Cool. Um, that was the only other thing I think I wanted to cover. Did you have anything mm. Anything else before we uh, wrap up and head into the No, I think finale? that's it. I'm anxious to get on, start watching. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. so very cool. So, well, then I guess that's it for now. And we'll, uh, we'll see everyone again soon next week. All right. See you then. Mm-hmm.